Hello, everyone. I'm Bree. And I'm Dee. Yay, we're back. <laughs> Welcome to the Chocolate Bar, our lives, our strength, our time. Celebrating women of color in all of the strength sports. Um, we are so happy to be back. You guys probably don't know this, but we took a little bit of a break just because life. life. Hello. <laughs> right? Life is a thing. Right. It we are back and re-energized and rejuvenated and excited to talk to y'all about some more things that um, affect us as athletes and lifters and, and women really, and, and human beings. Um, so given that we both have had life <laughs> happen <laughs> to us, um, you know, we thought it would be appropriate to talk a little bit about how to navigate um, obstacles, setbacks, injuries, just all kinds of challenges that happen um, and training. And whether that is you training for a specific goal, like me with this uh, bodybuilding women's physique competition coming up at the end of the summer or D with her um, powerlifting meet coming up whenever it comes up. (laughs) Right. Um, Just, you know, talking a little bit about some of the, the, coping mechanisms and tools that I've I've learned over the years to use to kind of help right the ship after it capsizes often and <laughs> repeatedly. Um, so I thought we would start with um, Dee talking a little bit about what she's been through. I think a lot of her um, challenges and obstacles and setbacks have had a lot to do with um, some of her path with respect to some of her medical issues, health issues. And for me, it's been a little bit more emotional, mental, but you know, some physical stuff too. So I will throw her the floor first to talk a little bit about her journey and then I'll join in and then we'll talk about some ways to combat some of those things. Are you ready, my dear? I oh, am, wait, I damn it. I always do this. You know, I got to catch up. You know, I got to know what's been happening in your life. What is happening in my life? Well, since we know I live in Atlanta and based on the timeline, and this will help people figure out when we recorded this, right. a lovely bridge burned down by my apartment. Oh. <laughs> so I've spent the weekend avoiding traffic. It's, it's a specialized talent in a city like Atlanta where there's traffic everywhere. So... Uh, there's that. And I trained and I think, uh, I know the people who follow me on Instagram saw this. I had a lovely adventure, um, in the land of sumo wrestling and not sumo wrestling. Wow. <laughs> what? Whoa. I try that too. Oh my God, I missed it. <laughs> wow. I should try that though. Cause that's going to have really to go cool. back and look at your Instagram account <laughs> more closely, young lady. This is what I happens. I sure miss that. This is what happens when your your IG bait is a wrestler. Like you decided you become a sumo wrestler. Wow. Although I really would love to try sumo wrestling. So if somebody knows how I can do that without gaining five hundred pounds, right. holler at me. But still, Ooh, eat but all the foods. Right, but they totally have those sumo wrestler costumes, and my birthday's mm-hmm. coming up, so maybe I should find that those hey. sumo wrestler. But we'll, we'll think about that. But anyway, okay. uh, my coach decided that I was, and this is actually a pretty good segue into what we're talking about. Um, there's been some weirdness with my knees and my hamstrings. So my coach decided, hey, let's give this sumo thing a shot to stop this weird knee, knee thing you have going on. And I looked at him and I said, you know, I hate sumo deadlifting with every ounce of my soul. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist. But you're smarter than I am. So I'm going to give this a shot. And we spent some time a couple weeks ago at his big fancy actual powerlifting strength and conditioning gym. And he taught me how to sumo deadlift and things were great and wonderful. And then he put them in my plan to do on my own and they were an epic fail. <laughs> like, Oh no. I, I mean, it's one of those where I had to have perspective and kind of laugh at it when I watched the right. videos back because you would never know that I actually know how to lift something mm-hmm. watching those videos. So we did two weeks worth of adventure in that. And after I got mad and did some convention, he threw some conventionals back at me last weekend and I was happy to see those. And after watching the video, I got back um, this funny little text from him where he said, you know, I sent you your training. Take a look at it. I'm looking and I'm looking for the sumo nightmare to come for the following week. 
and they're not there. So I was getting ready to text him and he said, you notice there are no sumos, right? And I said, <laughs> I was just about to text you to ask if one of those two days of deadlifts were sumos. He said, mm-hmm. no, we took those out. Um, don't think we need to do those anymore. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm so bad at them that you've taken them out. I'm not complaining though. Cause I don't like them. So yay for them being gone. So I had my little experiment on the other side okay. of powerlifting. You know, there's the never ending sumo versus conventional yes. debate. I salute all of you sumo deadlifters out there. I either don't have the right limbs or the right something. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I'm missing body parts. So that is my adventure. That and life with these two little furry children of mine. They're crazy. They're wonderful. They keep me on my toes. Let's say that. They keep me on mm-hmm. my toes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you know, other than that, usual get your hair done, get your nails done type of, type of weekend and avoid traffic. Those, that, that, that was my life this weekend. And that's oh. been my life lately. I hope you have something more exciting going on just because it would make me. You know, I am sitting here regretting asking you that question about what you've been up to, because I've been trying really hard the last couple of seconds to think about what I have been up to. And I (laughs) have Uh, got nothing like (laughs) everything and nothing. Um, Gosh, that is so sad. So let's see. Um, Same thing. Training. Um, Anything, any fun social activities? I went to a friend's 50th birthday party this past weekend, which was lovely um, because we all don't make it there. So I was very happy to help him and his wife celebrate that momentous occasion, milestone birthday. Um, just been bumping around with the with the boy, trying to you know get his life together. He just started playing basketball, so this should be interesting. Um, and he's got a kung fu tournament coming up, so just trying to get him to practice and get him prepared for that. Um, ugh, unfortunately, got into a car accident recently, which I will discuss in a little more detail when we get to the topic at hand, but that's never fun. Um, but thankfully I am okay. Uh, the other parties, um, are okay as far as I know. So I am grateful for that, but, uh, just trying to deal with the headache of that and getting my car repaired and trying not to stress out too much about it. Um, other than that, that's, that's really it. April is really shaping up, shaping up to be a pretty busy month. It, I've looked recently and recognized, realized that I have um, something to do every single week in this month. So um, lots of fun stuff, but also busy. So that's always a little like, oh, I'm going to need all the naps. Um, (laughs) Naps are great. Right. I had to take two of them on Saturday before uh, we went out because I was going to be out past (laughs) nine o'clock. So, you know, we're old. um, We can't really just party like that anymore. Yes. I I have to be very strategic (laughs) (laughs) about, yes, about naps and, and, uh, and social events in the evening. So did that. Um, like I said, training's going relatively well. We'll talk a little bit more about that and, and a few hiccups, but you know, I'm just trying to make it do what it do. So that's what's been going on in my world. So I guess let's let's get to it and talk a little bit about, you know, life and, and life. how to deal with when it slaps you in the face. <laughs> you know, it's funny that we're talking about this because I was thinking about how for the longest time until and still to some extent, training has been my coping mechanism for bad things. Mm-hmm. And I've been training. I I don't know what I was posting about on Instagram, but I mentioned that I've been training since 2003. And it's funny because the mental setbacks, I've always been in the gym. That's how I dealt with all of my mental setbacks. When my parents died, I went back to the gym and that was what kept me sane. When, you know, bad things happen to my family, I just go to the gym and I bury myself in the gym. When my dogs died, I buried myself in the gym. (laughs) When I got, when, when I got laid off, I just went to the gym. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that we're talking about this because I don't re- know that I necessarily have the best coping mechanisms for mental stuff because the gym is my mental stuff. Right. Other than, you know, an actual therapist. I don't know that there are other coping mechanisms. But um my physical stuff it's been interesting because I have had a lot of setbacks. And my first thought was the most recent one, of course, having had that lovely hysterectomy, what now? A year and eh, four months ago, five months ago, um, not quite a year and a half ago. Um, 
I recently had my follow-up with my doctor for one year and some change follow-up, and she says everything is good and I'm fine. But dealing with that, I distinctly remember, and I think you probably got a fair bulk of my freak out over this. I spent a lot of time about that surgery, not freaking out about, oh, the things you would think you'd freak out about. Oh my gosh, I'm deciding actively at 30-something years old that I'm never going to have kids Mm -hmm. of my own. I was freaking out about, oh my gosh, everything I read on the internet says I'm not going to ever be able to lift again. Ugh, Dr. Google. (laughs) Stay away from Dr. Google. Dr. Google. And then also, a lot of these kinds of surgeries are not things that people talk about, or at least not the weightlifting side, what happens to athletes afterwards. It's not something that there are research papers on. There are lots of anecdotal message boards. And when you go on those, it's always the people who've had the worst experiences in the world. Right. All I could find was the oil. (laughs) Yeah. All I could find was I had a hysterectomy and I was lifting every day and now I can't even lift 10 pounds. (laughs) I was terrified because that's all I could find. I didn't find, I don't think I found a single positive anything about hysterectomy and weightlifting when I was searching. So I had this nervous breakdown. I called my doctor and I almost canceled my surgery. Never mind that I was walking around with a 20 pound tumor in my uterus. Mm-hmm. My priority was that I was going to lift weights if it killed me. Right. <laughs> and it might have literally. <laughs> but, I was gonna anyway, say, <laughs> but anyway, um, my doctor kind of said, well, there are some things we can do to minimize the damage if you're worried about your core muscles and all of that. So I did some debating back and forth with the doctor and we figured that out and I had the surgery. And I think that's probably the most recent training setback I had. And to be honest, I really did start from scratch. I came back Mm -hmm. to, um, nothing felt normal. (laughs) That was probably the most striking thing is I had my energy back and I felt physically strong. I think straight out of surgery, I was a jerk. And I remember waking up and they had the tube in my throat and I said, can you take this out so I can eat? Because priorities. I wanted right. an apple. Of all the things, I wanted an apple. Of what course. is that? I wanted snacks. an apple. <laughs> I wanted snacks. So, and I'm pretty sure I sent my friend to Chick-fil-A to get me some food because the hospital food was disgusting and then the nurses Ooh. threw a fit. So, <laughs> but at least I was eating. But yes. I think I walked the floor that night. They have little markers. I remember the hospital floor. And I think it's because it's the maternity floor. They had little markers to tell you how many miles you'd walked if you'd circled a certain amount of times. Mm-hmm. And um, I walked the floor. And I think I walked a solid half mile that night. And then the night, the night nurse looked at me and she said, well, this is not normal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she's, she said, I'm not helping you. You're walking around dragging your IV down the hall at about a three mile per hour pace. I've never done this before, but I don't think you're normal. I said, well, I'm kind of an athlete. And right. she said, oh, okay. And I was up and around pretty much from that day forward. I couldn't lift, though, for almost two months. Mm-hmm. And I could, and that's a long, that's time a long time in, when you're in a weightlifter, powerlifter's life, <laughs> especially if you're used to lifting, you know, three, five, six days a week. Right. And the first couple of weeks I could only walk my dogs and the doctor didn't mm-hmm. even want me doing that. And I said to her, well, look, I'm, I, I'm single and I live alone and I can't afford to pay somebody to show up at my house where I already am to walk my dogs right. down the street and back. So... <laughs> I'm just going to walk them slowly. How about that? That's what we're going to do. And that turned into my exercise. And I, in my head, I said, you know, I, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get back to the gym. But when she cleared me, I was so desperate to lift that the first day she lift, she let me lift. I went right back to the gym and picked up that barbell and was like, all right, look, we're going to figure out how to squat <laughs> and we're going to figure out a deadlift. And oddly, because I had stitches straight up my abdomen. My mm-hmm. bench hurt more than anything else. But oddly now, how many months later, 18 months later, my bench has recovered faster than the other two lifts. Mm-hmm. And it's been the craziest thing because I have started over since I had the surgery. I have scrapped everything on the bar and started over, I think, a total of five times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've had to relearn how to squat different ways for different reasons. Muscles that used to feel one way feel completely different now. It's funny because I think I told you this, Brie, 
my coach yells at me, wear your belt tighter. Right. And sometimes I can't. Why? Because things that they don't tell you when you're having a hysterectomy. When you take out your uterus, and this is TMI, but it's a good warning for everybody who might have to have one. Mm-hmm. Because no one told me this until after the fact. Your intestines drop down to fill in the space <laughs> where wow. your uterus used to be. Surprise! Yeah, I would have never <laughs> known, ever even imagined that to be the case. Who knew? Right. Exactly. Surprise! So without giving too much information, the um, air that is often Mm -hmm. hanging out around and in your intestines is now hanging out in the same place that your uterus used to be. Mm. So think about where your belt goes. Right. And think about air being trapped in there and the stabby, horrible feelings I get sometimes when I squat or deadlift with a tight belt. So I think for me, that's been the biggest comeback. I think... Mm -hmm. I've had to deal with, you know, when I prepped, we triggered all kinds of crazy things with my thyroid. Fortunately, I've always been able to train through those. Mm-hmm. Um, they've caused more problems with my recovery than my actual training. Right. Even my thyroid surgery itself back in many, many moons ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was able to go right back to my normal life within four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um of course, I couldn't move my neck so easily at first because I had right. stitches cr- right across the front of my neck. It was a really cool Frankenstein effect. I was really kind of all about that scar at the beginning because mm-hmm. I really had like a Frankenstein thing. Like it looked like right. someone had literally stitched up my neck like Frankenstein, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was kind of cool. But um, that never really took a- like thyroid stuff has never taken away from my training. It's just been something that when I'm tired, I'm well aware of the fact that. Right. Oh, hey, that's your thyroid telling you to sit your butt down and take a nap. Do you find with with each of the, you know, sort of setbacks that you've had or, you know, as as sort of the different medical um, issues have cropped up and you've kind of worked through them? Do you feel like it's been like an evolution in terms of you getting to know your body a little bit better? It's forced me. And I think sometimes it's a bad thing almost because I end up telling my coaches what to do. Um, uh. <laughs> I know what is and isn't right for me. Mm-hmm. So for example, with powerlifting, weight classes are a thing, right? At some point in the future, my coach may look at me and say, you know what? You're not getting as strong as I want you to be as fast. If I decided to take it that far, if I decided uh-huh. to be serious about it. right now, it's recreational. Right. I don't care about my weight class all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be down a weight class. Down a weight class for me right now is about 15 or 20 pounds, I think, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. That's a lot of weight for someone with a thyroid problem to lose. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And to maintain comfortably. That's very lean for someone with a thyroid problem. Mm-hmm. And in that situation where my coach might look at me and say, oh, you've got plenty of fat to lose, which I do. I'm not saying I'm lean because Lord knows I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In theory, yeah, I can easily lose that. If I was a regular person, I could lose that. But I know right. for me, my that would set all kinds of trigger all kinds of crazy. Right. For my in that context. Yeah. In that context. Yeah. Or how would that be a bad thing though? I mean, I would think, you know, because I know we've talked before about, you know, some of the 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 sort of pitfalls or, or areas where people can run into trouble in working with coaches is, you know. Although you want to, right. Although you, you know, you do want to trust the process and hopefully you've done the requisite research to find someone that you are able to trust. But, you know, sometimes, like you said, if you intuitively know that something isn't going to work for you, it would seem to me that, you know, being able to articulate that clearly and sort of get them to understand why would be a good thing. So I I mean, is there something about that process that is... that is also kind of a negative for you. I think sometimes it puts me in a position mentally where I go into a situation with limitations. Gotcha. So I walk in knowing right now, let's say on a normal day, I weigh somewhere between 138 and 142 Mm -hmm. on a normal day. Mm -hmm. That is where I can exist comfortably. I am sane. I can eat. I can enjoy life. Mm Mm-hmm. If I need to be 125 pounds to be, and I'm just throwing out random numbers, right. you mm-hmm. know, in terms of the next weight class down, let's just say it's 125. 
Right. That is a pretty, a pretty significant amount of weight to lose. Right. I've already mentally said, I don't think I can do that. Gotcha. So for me, it becomes, I don't even necessarily always want to try it to see if it Mm -hmm. is possible because I'm so worried about what has happened before. Right. That who knows, it might be possible now. Just like I think I've said to you before, there's a part of me that still kind of wants to do a show just to get it out of the way. It's something Mm -hmm. I wanted to do. But again, having been through three of those setbacks where first it was my original thyroid problem. Then it was the thyroid problem that was triggered by a bad coach and a bad prep. And then the pituitary problem that came from the Mm -hmm. thyroid problem that came from the bad coach and the bad prep. Right. And the subsequent 50 pounds or 45 pounds or whatever it was that I gained Mm -hmm. from that makes me mentally say, I don't know that I should ever do that. Right. So I think, yeah, there is something to be said when it's a medical setback. Um, Sometimes it is smart. Like with my hysterectomy, I've learned things like being able to say, I can say to my coach, no, I can't wear my belt tighter today because it hurts. Right. It hurts. I can't breathe out without feeling like somebody's stabbing me in my non-existent uterus. He doesn't necessarily (laughs) want to hear that, but sometimes that's more information that he wants, but he gets it. Yeah. But at the same time, I can also say to him, I don't necessarily think I'm, you know, I put limitations on things like I might say, I don't know that this is working because recovery is an issue for me Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. and sometimes to get extreme results, you have to be extreme. Let's be honest here. You can't prep as you know, well, no, because you're in the midst of a prep right now. You can't prep comfortably. Like there's no such thing as a truly comfortable prep. It wouldn't be prep if you were turning cartwheels and fields of date. Yeah. You're going to get uncomfortable at some point. (laughs) And having that inherent medical thing to fall back on, especially when you have a doctor who you, who is finally like really happy with where you are, mm-hmm. it makes it very hard to say, I'm willing to go the next step right. to be really uncomfortable. Because the last time I was really uncomfortable, all, all these things happened and they were all bad. <laughs> it's kind right, of like, exactly. it's kind of like conditioning, you know, you train yeah. a dog. And if they know that they get banished away from their family every time they jump up on the couch, eventually they're going to learn not to jump on that couch. Right, right. It's that. Unless you're my dog. Yeah, or mine, (laughs) because clearly one of them is sitting right next to me on the couch and I've given up. Yes. I've given up. They win. They can have the couch. They win. I just buy new ones every time they drool them to death. Um, But I think there's, there's, there's an interplay that happens. And I think when you go through these setbacks, you learn and sometimes come out stronger. I know I'm a better lifter technically now Mm -hmm. than I used to be partially because I have a coach who yells at me about my weird technique stuff, but also because when you strip everything from the bar and you are physically weak because you haven't lifted in eight or 10 or 12 or 14 weeks Mm -hmm. and 135 now feels like 300, (laughs) you have no choice but to get your technique right. 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 Because you're going to hurt yourself mm-hmm. and you're afraid. There's a fear that comes there. And I think there, that is a positive. You do start to, I can't afford to be a bad lifter anymore. When I'm a bad lifter with bad technique, it hurts. Right. Right. <laughs> it's not just a matter of being sore or, you know, not lifting as much weight. Like you physically could really hurt yourself. Right. My scar says, Hey lady, Stuff happened in here. It's all healed right. up, but something happened in here. And mm-hmm. um, stop whatever that mess you're you're doing out there is. And I think having been an athlete and played sports my whole life, I've had knee surgeries. I've had knee injuries. I tore my quad a couple years ago, squatting exactly 95 pounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a warm-up set. I tore a quad. Right. And even coming back from that, you learn to respect the weight. You learn to respect the technique. You learn to hone in on those little things that you might ignore mm-hmm. over time because it's easy. It's easier that way. I, right. you know, I just think you have to find the balance between, okay, I'm afraid and I've learned to, and turn that fear into respect for what you're doing and right. take the opportunity. And I think that's probably how I've dealt with most of these setbacks. As I say, okay, as much as I hate starting from scratch, cause I do mm-hmm. every time I strip the bar, I want to cry because it's like, oh, I'm that much further from the goal. Right. Um, 
I've learned to take advantage of it as a time for me to hone on, hone in on these little things that are really important, especially at quote unquote, an advanced lifter age. I'm not 25. I can't mm-hmm. afford to be just throwing my joints about all wildly. Anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think you understand that too, is it's oh, sort of, yes. <laughs> you know, you hit, there's something that happens when you turn 30 and then it happens again when you turn 35. And I think it just keeps happening every five years after that. Yep. And then somewhere around 50, it just starts happening every year from what I've heard. Pretty much. Yeah. I would so, agree. <laughs> so you start to have, have no choice, but to address the little things that keep you healthy mm-hmm. and, your recovery and your stretching and your mobility and all of those things are things that as I've had each one of these setbacks, they've nagged at me and poked at me and said, Hey, pay attention. And that's part of why I think I like my coach so much is that he really does focus on that. He said, Mm -hmm. you know, have you stretched? I need you to stretch more. Are you foam rolling? Are you rolling with a lacrosse ball? Are you standing on your head with one hand? Like these ridiculous things that like, he picks up on that I may slack on, you know, are you right. doing these ab exercises to strengthen? Because when you get to the bottom of your squat, I can tell you've had abdominal surgery because you don't like to push as hard as you should. Right. He hones in on those things. And I think those are the things when you have these setbacks that put you back at square one, mm-hmm. take those as time and opportunity to, I guess, hone your craft right. and rediscover and you do learn to love it. At, at least I feel like that's, if nothing else, being taken away from my lifting. Mm-hmm. When I come back, it just reaffirms that it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And I think right. I'm going to stop talking because it's going to turn into the D talks about herself podcast, which is awesome <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but it is awesome. I think they want to hear from you. I think they want to hear from you too. Um, although we do have a guest host today, Sasha, who is totally trying to help me talk. Talk. I she, she's sniffing all in the microphone, so I'm sure our audio is going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she's got things to say, mommy. I want to talk I'm, too. Unfortunately, they just sound like snorts and growls. But you know, oh, well. <laughs> she has things to say. <laughs> Well, so um, let's talk about your mental game because I think that's yeah, even more- mental, spiritual, emotional. Let me tell you. Well, um, you know, much like you, just kind of learning how to, you know, sort of navigate through, you know, training and and you know, life and and the pressures and responsibilities that come with that. You know, and being for me um, a mom, a you know, full time working mom, a wife, you know daughter, all of that good stuff. Um, you know, it, it, it's definitely been a journey and it, you know, it's really interesting. I feel, you know, I often say that, um, I've found that my life tends to go in five year cycles, like for whatever reason, every five years I'm, 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 I seem to be having some sort of major life shift and whether that is professionally or personally, or, you know, spiritually, I've, I've just come to expect some unsettledness in my life. It used to really freak me out. Um, you know, and I, I was constantly anxious about it. Like I was always waiting for the neck, the the other shoe to drop, so to speak. And I've, I've really learned to not do that quite as much. And just to embrace the fact that, you know, things will change, you know, whether they're good or bad, things are always going to constantly change and shift and move you know, while you're breathing (laughs) air on this earth. And so, you know, better to just kind of um, expect that to happen and, and, and be able to deal with it. So for me, um, you know, I think those, those changes within the context of, of training and weightlifting and competing um, became pretty uh, significant for me, I guess, that was back in 2013. So 2013, I decided um, to try competing again after a really long break, which I've talked about before. And I competed in figure um, and it was fine. You know, the experience was fine, but I, that, that experience solidified for me that my season as a 
figure competitor was was over and that it was time for me to move on to something else. So I had been thinking about transitioning into women's physique um, as that was kind of the new burgeoning division within bodybuilding. Um, and it was sort of in between um, figure and female bodybuilding. So I said, oh, this might be interesting. But I was, you know, and even though I kind of felt like that was the right move for me, I was still a little, a little unsure. And so I remember having conversations with one of my um, oldest and dearest friends, Cheryl. We went to high school together. Um, you know, we pretty much were thick as thieves from day one, you know, she was my spirit animal in a lot of ways. She was a wife and mom. She was an athlete. She was just as petty as me. Um, <laughs> So I remember having a conversation with her about, oh, you know, I'm not sure. And I'm not thinking about the, you know, I'm thinking about this, but I'm not sure. And she was the one who was like, this is what you should do and you'll be amazing at it and you're going to do it. You know? And I was like, but what about, but what about? And she was like, nah, you're, you're going to do this. So I was like, okay. You know? And, you know, she had said, um, I'll be there every step of the way with you, you know, through your prep, I'll be at your show screaming my head off. Like I was at your figure show. It's all good. So I said, okay, you know, and kind of started down that path and started training. And then, um, at the, top of 2014, I was getting ready to really start prepping for, um, you know, to do women's physique that next year. And right about that time, she um, was diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer, which was completely out of the blue. Because like I said, she was super healthy and, you know, she watched what she ate and it was just a complete and total just curveball out of left field. And, and it was weird because even through all of that, it never occurred to me that she wouldn't beat it. It never occurred to me that, you know, she wouldn't be at my show because, you know, I just figured she would, you know, just kind of beast through it like she did everything else in her life. And, um, you know, sadly, she passed away shortly after her diagnosis. And when I tell you that I was completely just shattered to pieces, I can't even describe it. Um, it was just, it was just horrific. You know, I think a lot of it just because I was there for, a lot of that um, time that she, after she had gotten ill because, oh, and let me mention, I had also been laid off from my job. So it was just an amazing year. Um, so I had that time to kind of, you know, spin with her one-on-one um, -on -one while she was trying to, you know, fight this disease and, and, and kind of watch it, you know, really um, deteriorate very quickly. So, you know, there were many days after she passed that I was like, this is so far from my mind in terms of competing and dieting. And I'm not, I don't want to do this. And this is stupid. And, you know, each and every time I would hear her voice, like, dude, like get over yourself, get up and get to the gym, you know? And I felt like I couldn't really let her down. So long story short, I just kind of soldiered through and, you know, there were some other issues at the end of that prep, I ended up having to switch coaches literally two weeks out and it was a mess. Oh my gosh, but I, just, I forgot about that. And yeah, I knew you remember? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, I mean, literally two weeks. Um, but you know what? I did it. I soldiered through and, you know, even though she wasn't there that day physically, like I've spiritually, I just kind of felt her all around me. Um, you know, so I'd sort of known I'd made the right decision and, you know, la da da. So then fast forward to 2015 and I was, you know, I ended up earning my pro card. I talked about that before and I said, you know, I'm going to do one professional show. I want to do one show as a, as a women's physique pro. And then I'm, you know, definitely feeling uh, another shift to, you know, powerlifting and, and more CrossFit and, and some other more strength related sports. So I said, I'm going to, you know, kind of give it my all and, you know, move on. So, um, same thing started to prep for that. And, you know, every prep is different. And this one was, was fraught again with some, you know, different obstacles. I, you know, got this sort of nagging injury with one of my arms and, you know, every time I started trying to lift heavy, it would flare up and was sick a couple of times and just, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I said, you know what, it's fine, you know, work through it. So then December comes, um, you know, decide to go on vacation with my husband on this trip that um, we take with some other friends of ours that are couples every year um, to Jamaica uh, for this marathon. And so we're all there and we've all been looking forward to it. And, you know, it's going to be this amazing trip. And, you know, I felt like I kind of was in a good place with my prep in terms of the progress I was making. I, you know, felt like I had the right tools to kind of control, um, you know, my training and my, um, my, 
nutrition while I was out of town and, you know, kind of still stay on a, on a steady path. Well, second day into vacation, uh, one of the, you know, guys that was on the trip with us who was running the marathon, um, ended up having a massive heart attack and collapsing during the race. And, uh, unfortunately ended up passing away later that day while we were in Jamaica. So needless to say, uh, that was again, a hell of a curveball and just devastating for, you know, all of our friends and, you know, we'd all been friends for a long time and it, it just, I just could not believe it. You know, this perfectly healthy 47 year old man, um, dr- drops dead. Right. Um, so again, training was pretty much the furthest thing from my mind at that point. I just was like, okay, maybe this is the universe trying to send me a sign that this is not the right time for me to be undertaking this endeavor because, you know, what the hell, um, you know, came back, you know, and, and, and my coach bless his heart, you know, he'd been super understanding through all of this. I thought I sometimes felt like he was like, girl, for real, like, are you seriously having all these things happen to you? Like, if you don't want to do it, just say you don't want to do it. <laughs> so, you know, I took a couple of weeks to get my life together when I got back and, you know, just kind of help my, our friend's uh, wife, you know, navigate, um, you know, th- that tragedy with her family and, and just getting myself kind of back on the right track and, you know, said, okay, you know, I'm going to do this again, much like Cheryl, you know, Derek was one of these people who, you know, was just one of the most tenacious, you know, persistent, hardworking folks I'd ever met. And I could hear his voice in my head, like, come on, Bree, suck that up, you know, man (laughs) up, you gotta, you gotta start what you finish. So I'm like, all right, right at my path, you know, whatever. A couple of weeks ago, (laughs) I get into a car accident. Yay. Um, Again, you know, thankfully, I was okay. Um, you know, it was a bit shooken up, had a bad headache. Um, Gave me a car. heart attack, but that's, yes. that, that's <laughs> you know. Right, right. Everyone, <laughs> I was like, hey, so yeah, guess what just happened? Um, and then you, know, you were talking to me, I'm trying to go to the gym. No, you're not. Right. Of course, you know me. I'm like, but, but, but my gains. And you were like, but, but, but your concussion, sit down. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Get in the ambulance, go to the hospital. Stop telling me about your games. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So once again, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know what? This is not going well. I need to really figure out what I'm going to do. You know, have I set myself back? Of course I have a good 20 weeks to go, but I'm a little on the dramatic side when I want to be so. (laughs) Of course, I was That's like, it's you all over. <laughs> right, it's all over. Um, but, you know, when I was reflecting on this um, last, you know, this weekend, earlier this week, just about how to kind of, you know, really refocus and, 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 and really get myself back where I need to be, you know, I started thinking about what are some of those common denominators that have kind of helped me keep getting back up after, you know, things kind of start knocking me down and, you know, that's when I was, you know, really thinking about, you know, what have I learned throughout all these, you know, setbacks and 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 what um, has worked for me, you know, and, and there were a couple of things I just kind of wanted to share um, with you all. So, you know, maybe if you're going through a tough time or you're trying to figure out, you know, how to come back from, you know, either a physical injury or, you know, a life setback, you know, how to, you know, keep going forward and keep making progress. And, you know, there were a couple of things that, um, you know, really stuck out for me. And I think, you know, the, the, the number one thing, um, you know, that really stuck out for me was just really maintaining perspective, you know, and understanding that, you know, whatever's happening, it's, it's a short-term thing, you know, it's, it's a short-term state of being and that, you know, it's at some point going to end, whatever that challenge is, whatever that setback is, your injury hopefully will heal, you know, you'll get your car fixed or get a new car or, you know, that relationship that you had to grieve and let go of, you know, you will be able to heal from that. Maybe you'll meet someone else, whatever the case may be, you know, just keeping your perspective that, you know, tough times don't last for long, but tough people do, you know, and and to really, remind yourself that the one of the reasons you keep coming back is because you are tough, even at your weakest or when you feel at your most helpless, you're tough, you know? And I think reminding yourself of that, um, you know, as often as you need to will be really helpful in terms of, of, of you know, making a recovery. 
Um, you know, the second thing is, you know, really learning to control the controllables and not worrying about all the other stuff, you know, listen, shit happens all the time <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to really good people, you know, and you can't really control when it happens or why, or, you know, you can't prevent it. And so you need to focus on what you can control or, you know, what you can do to aid in your recovery and, and for, you know, physical healing that could be, you know, whatever that course of treatment is that, you know, your, your physician or your physical therapist gave you to make sure that you are consistent with that. Um, you know, if you are having to take time off from training, maybe putting a little bit more emphasis on your nutrition so that, you know, you're not doubly setting yourself back. If you're working towards a goal, for example, and just really trying to, you know, focus on your, your macros or, you know, that type of thing. Or, and if it's the opposite, if you, you know, are just in a headspace where counting macros is just not in your <laughs> ministry at that point in time, like, you know, when I was in Jamaica and a couple of weeks afterwards, I was like, wait, what macros, what? But one of the things I did try to do when I was a little bit loose with that was just making sure that I had some kind of movement every day, you know, and even if it wasn't a full workout, you know, something 15, 20 minutes is better than nothing. And oftentimes I ended up feeling better, you know, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So even if I just couldn't bring myself to get through an entire, my entire training session that day without bursting into tears, I would just go try to walk on the treadmill for 15 minutes, you know, or stretch or do some mobility stuff. And I felt a little more in control. Like, you know, even though it was a tiny thing, I was doing something that day to help me get better. Um, You know, so it's, I think I was thinking about something you just said and with going back mm -hmm. to the point about having perspective, I think, especially when you have these injuries and in like my case, surgery, where and when you're talking about losing friends and family who are so close to you these things are life changing and i think i don't want people to think that we're not acknowledging that and i think sometimes i know i felt it with people when i was telling them i was having a hysterectomy a lot of people didn't understand that was life changing right right whether whether i wanted to acknowledge it at the moment or not and i quite frankly i don't think i fully acknowledged it until after I got home and started thinking, of course, because this is just who I am about dating and, you know, okay, well, what do I tell people now? Mm-hmm. When I mm-hmm. meet someone, I have to tell them that I literally can't have kids. It was cute and funny when I didn't want them necessarily. It's not right. so cute and funny when you're like, <laughs> no, it's, it's just not an option. <laughs> like, there's yeah. nothing in there. <laughs> like, and yeah. I think sometimes acknowledging what has happened and get, you know, and it, it comes for all of us at different points in time with different kinds of things. When my parents died, it was like seeing my mom in the casket was like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. this has really mm-hmm. happened. I was there when right. she was, when she died, I was in the room with her. I was the one who told everyone she died, but it didn't hit me. It's the finality of it. Yeah. I was, I was, I remember the distinct moment where it was like, Holy crap. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. What do I do now? And I think, Yes. Acknowledge that they are life changing and Mm -hmm. we all go through life changing things. There's no way you can get through life without some sort of major shift, whether it's positive or negative. I mean, sometimes, Hey, you get married and that's life changing. You have a baby. That's life changing. Hopefully in both of those instances, those are positive life changes, but Hey, I'm not here to judge. Um, (laughs) and acknowledge those things. And, and, and I think the key is not to live in them, especially when it's a negative thing. You can't Mm -hmm. live in Mm -hmm. the negative life change. If I sat here and spent the rest of my life dwelling on the fact that I had the surgery, that now I can't have kids, I'd probably still be sitting in that hospital bed like, oh, what do I do now? You have to find something, some little kernel of something that reminds you of who you are and who you were. And no, you're not, this is not the end of your life. It might feel like it. It really might. I, you know, especially if someone's telling you, you can't do something or you have to change Mm -hmm. the way you do something, but you do, you go, you do 10 minutes. I was driving my doctor crazy because she said, well, are you resting? I said, I'm resting in the sense that I'm on the bike at the gym going really slowly. Right. Like really comically slowly. And everybody at the gym thinks I've lost my mind. 
um, after having seen me sprint every day for the last 10 months. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, I had to go be in the gym environment, even if I was just sitting there on the floor with with a foam roller. (laughs) <laughs> because it was reminding me of where my sanity was and exactly. who I am at my core. So I do think it's really important to acknowledge in some way at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I'm dealing with life changing shit here. I am. I yep. am. And yep. right now this shit feels like absolute shit. And to go back to when we had a whole section on this about when we talked about my coach, it rings true again. This is not supposed to be the worst shit of your life. (laughs) It might be right right now in this moment. It might be the worst shit ever, but don't let it bury you. Always be that way. Right. Don't let it bury you that that having some sort of perspective and having some sort of way to find some normalcy in that Mm -hmm. crazy, crazy time of whatever you're coming back from. It is the, I think it's the one thing that keeps you sane. I think it's yeah. the thing that's, that's that turning point. And I think even with Brie and I, sometimes I'll text her in the morning at the gym. My life sucks. And I think we're both a little melodramatic. Mm-hmm. I think our way of doing things is I quit forever. Exactly. <laughs> I exactly. quit forever and it's horrible and yeah. everything is bad. Yep. That's what we do. <laughs> and it's okay. But you know, and, and, and the, and the, it's funny because it's stuff like this that makes me realize that sometimes I really do think we are operating off the same brain because literally my next point was going to be, you know, allow yourself to experience the moment. So like you said, I think, you know, grief is something that no one looks forward to experiencing, obviously. And like I said, and and when we speak of death and when I speak of death, I'm not just talking about of a loved one. I'm talking about of, of anything that you hold dear to your heart, whether it be a job or a car or a relationship or, you know, an expectation that you're going to be able to do a certain thing, like be in a meet or compete, but you can't because of injury, whatever. Um, You know, those things are life altering and they are painful and it's, but it's healthy to, to, to experience grief. And I think sometimes, you know, we don't allow ourselves to be in that moment and acknowledge that pain or acknowledge that letting go process because we might feel that, you know, oh, this is trivial or, you know, I, I, you know, this person has been gone for X amount of time. I should be over it, you know? And I think that, you know, in order to really be able to move forward, you have to let yourself experience that because if you don't, Eventually, it's going to come to the surface and it's going to bubble over and and, and, it, and it may manifest itself, you know, in, in a not so healthy or safe way. So I think if you can, you know, be the one to, you know, do whatever it is you need to do to get that out, you know, that will also help with that process of being able to get that perspective and understand that, you know, this isn't something that's going to last forever. And I will, you know, feel differently, hopefully in in X amount of time, you know, whatever that way is, you know, whether it's cry or journal or pray or, you know, call your person, you know, or, you know, train for a lot of us or sing or dance or throw shit, whatever it is, (laughs) you know, let yourself do what you need to do to process and, and don't feel badly about it. And don't let anybody else determine for you what that looks like. You know, your grief is your grief. Your process is your process, you know, and it's important, like you said, to acknowledge that loss because loss is real, you know, to acknowledge that loss so that you can sort of start to grow from that. Um, the other thing too, um, you know, that I think has been helpful for me, and this has really been life-changing for me, is understanding that you have to expect setbacks in your setbacks, meaning, you know, recovery is not linear. It's not necessarily going to be A to Z. Sometimes it's going to be A to, 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 you know, F. Sometimes you're going to backtrack three steps to, you know, C. Sometimes you're going to move over to the left a little bit. You know, sometimes you're going to hop forward two steps. But once you understand that and are able to embrace that, it won't throw you off permanently. You know, there are definitely days when I don't make great choices. You know, some days I eat more than I should have eaten or, you know, my refeed turned into the refeed of life because I was feeling (laughs) sad about, you know, the fact that, you know, the anniversary of Cheryl's death is coming up in a few weeks or, you know, I'm still sad because, you know, I had this accident and I couldn't get to, you know, my 
program training for the, uh, the f next few days. So I'm just like, screw it. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to lay in bed. And I think learning to be gentle with yourself and saying, you know, not beating yourself up about that is, is really important because otherwise, if you're constantly beating yourself up about not being perfect in how you should be progressing in your recovery, you're just setting yourself up for, you know, more disappointment and more setbacks. And like you said, staying kind of in that in that negative space. So I think you have to give yourself room to um, have a setback while you're having a setback and just say, you know what, this is normal. I'm a human. It happens. And, but you have the tools to know how to write the ship. So you just go right back to whatever your routine is as soon as you can. You know, someone said this to me one time and it's really resonated with me. The action is not the person. So just because you do something, you make a mistake or you make a bad choice, you're not a bad person. It just so happens that you did something that, you know, wasn't necessarily the best choice at the best time. That doesn't mean that you're not an amazing friend or a good employee or a great athlete or anything else. It's just it is what it is. Um, so acknowledging, I think, you know, that is really important, important. And then, you know, something else that, um, again, in recent years, that's really resonated with me in terms of, of you know, healing and, and recovery and, 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 you know, just kind of even in terms of mood enhancement, you know, when you're dealing with depression or other types of, of, of issues, you know, one thing that's really helpful is giving of yourself. And it sounds weird, like, if I'm in such a bad space, how am I going to be uh, help to anyone else. But I, I will tell you some of the, you know, best times for me um, when I've been feeling really low or just feeling, you know, really sad about, um, you know, losing people or whatever is those are the days that I've had to go, you know, coach my special Olympics powerlifting team. And when I tell you how much my spirit needed that at that given time. Um, it, it's incredible, you know, and there's different studies that have shown and, and one of them I linked on the blog that say that, you know, volunteering actually may be good for your health too, mentally and physically, you know, it allows you the opportunity to, um, you know, sort of um, ward off loneliness and depression and allows you to be more social, um, you know, and interact with people if, if, if that's something that you're, you're craving. Um, you know, it also helps to remind you that there are other people going through things just like you are. Some of them are going through worse things than you and that you're not alone in, you know, your, your, your suffering or setbacks or what have you. So, you know, if you have that opportunity and you're really feeling, you know, down about something, you know, like if you have some spare time because you've lost a job or whatever, I strongly suggest, you know, volunteering and whether that looks like going to, you know, pet the animals and, and you know, take care of the animals <laughs> at the SPCA or at the local shelter or going to hold babies in the NICU or, you know, for me, you know, I, I sort of found my passion in, in, in Special Olympics coaching, whatever that thing is, even if it's just for a day, you know, it, it really will probably lift your spirits. So giving of yourself when you feeling like you don't have anything to give is, is also really helpful. And then one of the biggest things this is kind of my final thing for me that, um, really has helped me when I've, again, you know, just had setbacks or, um, you know, been really struggling is, is practicing gratitude. And again, I know it's like, Brie, what the hell are you talking about? Like the worst <laughs> thing ever has happened in my life. How are you going to sit here and tell me, you know, I need to be grateful. And it, it's not so much, being grateful for the bad stuff that's happened. Cause I mean, that would be silly. Um, it's being grateful for the stuff that's still good in your life, you know, or, or, or the things, you know, and maybe when you get some distance from it, you'll be able to see kind of the good that came from, you know, sort of the negative, but, you know, for me, you know, again, looking at, um, you know, losing, you know, Derek and Cheryl, it really just made me, feel grateful for the long-term nurturing friendships that I've been blessed enough to have. You know, not a lot of people can say that they've had a close dear friend for over 30 something years. Like with me and Cheryl, I met her when I was 14 and, you know, when she passed away, we were both 42. That's a long time to have just that type of deep supportive friendship. And I am so grateful for that, you know, and, and knowing that knowing both of those people 
made me a better person and, you know, because they were, they touched my lives while they were here. So, you know, I was able to, to really, you know, and, you know, additionally, you know, I mentioned that I was laid off when, you know, she had gotten sick. Well, if I had been working, I would not have had that opportunity to spend those last days with her at her house, you know, holding her hand and, and just talking to her about, you know, how much she meant to me while she was still here. And I will forever, ever be thankful for that time that I was, you know, able to spend with her. And at the time, no, it really sucked because I was like, oh my God, I don't have a job. What am I going to do? But, you know, I, I definitely believe that there are no coincidences. And I, you know, for me personally, um, you know, I know that. God is really ordering my steps in my life. And I know that he planned those things out the way that he did so that I would have that time with her. I ended up actually getting a job shortly after she passed that, you know, she was the one that was like, you need to take this job. So <laughs> I, I, I know that that timing, while it may not have been the timing I would have chosen was the best timing for me and for the situation. Um, you know, obviously I'm thankful that I wasn't injured in this accident a couple of weeks ago and that I was able to walk away and, you know, go back to the gym and be able to do the things I love and I'm passionate about, you know, cause there are a lot of people that, you know, that wasn't the case. So, you know, learning to practice gratitude, you know, even when it seems like there's nothing for which you should be grateful is really important. Um, and I think it will also help, you know, mentally and spiritually and physically. And, you know, even f with me, like, oh God, you know, prime example this last week, you know, I, I somehow, gained four pounds when I'm, you know, and it's like, <laughs> why are you hustling backwards? Like, you know, the scale should be going this way and you're going this way. And, you know, I threw up my hands quite a few times and just said, F it, where are the Cheetos? But then I was like, but look at the progress you've been able to make and compare the progress you've made, you know, at this point in your prep versus three years ago, you're way closer to where your goal is you know, what your goal is this time. So just keep pressing forward. You know, nothing is, per again, nothing's permanent and there's no, you know, misstep that you've made that's going to irrevocably, irrevocably damage you for this prep, you know? Um, so that really rejuvenated me and made me feel like, okay, you know, I can do this and I just have to keep moving forward. So blah, 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 blah. But, um, you know, those are some of the things that, you know, have been really helpful to me. And, and hopefully like, you know, like I said, for those of you that are listening and going through, you know, something, you know, you, you can look to some of those, those, um, tools or mechanisms and, and hopefully they can be helpful to you as well. So anything to add, Misty? I think from a physical perspective, I, you mentioned it and I think it's important to keep harping on it. As much as athletes love to exercise and we love to train and we love to be in the gym, the hardest thing in the world is to hear your doctor say, you can't do those things. And it is so important when you are going through physical setbacks, when they tell you you cannot train, don't train. Right. <laughs> My goodness, right. don't train. And I think the thing that no one ever talks about is how to deal with what it looks like when your home is your training and your sanity place is your training. Right. right. And that's different. How you deal with that is different for all of us. Yeah. I will say, honestly, I am the worst mm -hmm. about it. I mm -hmm. am a complete, complete whack job when I can't train. I'm mean, I'm moody. I hate everyone and I hate everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've had to learn that that, that I have to find a way to get that out otherwise. And sometimes that means I am writing frantically and it's not necessarily writing that I'm sharing with people. It's just me opening a Google document and word vomiting into a document. Right. right. <laughs> and right. what I had to do with my hysterectomy is I, and I never, I decided not to publish it because it became, it went from being something public facing to something like very intensely private. Mm -hmm. Um, I initially started a blog for women who lifted because that was the thing I couldn't find was women mm -hmm. who lifted, who had his, had my surgery and didn't know what to do afterwards. And it's funny because as much right. as I didn't make the blog public, I talk about it on my Instagram constantly. And mm -hmm. on a regular basis, I get women in my DMs who are like, Oh my God, thank God I found you. Because right. there are literally, if you just search the hysterectomy boards, there's no one out there talking about it in a positive way. Exactly. So you have to find an outlet. You have to figure yes. out something healthy, whatever that is. Yeah. It might be, you know, writing. It might be 
cultivating a new hobby. Lord knows when I had my surgery, the best thing I did ever was between Bree's care package and one that one of my friends planned before my surgery. I had coloring books everywhere. Mm -hmm. I had Mm -hmm. grown up coloring books and colored pencils everywhere in my house. And I don't even like art except to look at it in museums. Right. I can't draw. (laughs) But having those coloring pages and books and things to therapeutically just kind of let my mind wander without staring blankly at the television, I think was probably the biggest saving grace I ever had when I really couldn't lift weights. I could go and pedal slowly on a bicycle, but that wasn't fun for me. Um, And I think that's an important addendum to what I was saying. You know, one of the things too, for me that I've had to come to understand is that it's great to, to have, you know, training and, and lifting as kind of your outlet in your therapy. But like you were saying, you also have to make sure that you have some alternatives if you can't even do that. Mm -hmm. Right. I think we have a tendency, um, you know, especially, um, you know, women and high achievers or whatever to, to, when you go in, you go all in, you go a hundred percent. So you focus all of, once you find something that works for you, you focus all of your attention and energy in that direction, which is great. But again, if you suddenly find yourself in a space where that's not an option, you got to be really careful because if you don't have another option or let's say a healthy option, then you're screwed. You know, I often think to myself, you know, what if you woke up one morning and you could not ever train again? What would you do? You know, how would you be able to manage the stressors in your life? How would you be able to manage your depression? What kind of things would you do? And that's really forced me to start looking at other things. It's forced me to, you know, really kind of try to get back into reading. I used to read all the time, you know, but again, life and, you know, raising a family and all that, I, I don't do it and I haven't done it as much as I used to. You know, what other things move me and heal my spirit? You know, um, I love music. And so listening to music, you know, has been, really helpful for me. Journaling, you know, I used to, again, I've always kept a journal, always kept a journal when I was young, but I kind of, you know, put it to the side a little bit because whenever I found myself, you know, being stressed out or having to deal with something, I just put it all in the gym. Right. But again, what if I didn't have that? What would I do? You know, I, I definitely pray a lot more than I used to. Um, not necessarily for stuff, but just, hey, you know, talking to God and, and, and really, you know, honing in on that spiritual relationship to kind of help keep me centered. Because again, you never know when you wake up, when you could wake up and that could be taken from you all of a sudden. And, and it's made me a lot more grateful to be able to be the age I am and, and be able to do the things I'm able to do physically. So I, I 100% agree with your point on that. And, and, you know, it's great to have this as therapy, but I think you have to kind of view it in sort of a more holistic fashion. Like you have to have a course of treatment for therapy, right? It's not just one thing. It might be talk therapy. It might be medication. It might be journaling. Same thing with your training. You know, it should be training, but it also should be, you know, listening to music or taking a bath or coloring in a coloring book, just so you have those things when you do experience those physical setbacks or whatever setbacks that prevent you from, from training. So I think that's super important too. And I think my last good thing, and you already said it, but you didn't say it as one of your things, but I think it's important to point out, have a person, preferably have a person, but at least have one person because I have a person, Brie is that person who does (laughs) not care if I'm like, holy crap, I quit. I'm never doing this again. I gained 14 pounds overnight and I quit. Mm -hmm. I quit. I quit. I quit. And she takes that in stride. Just like when she texts me, we can text each other at 4 a.m. And the first thing say, hi, good morning. I quit. Yep. <laughs> and yep. both of us can take that in stride. When Brie yeah. texts me at 4 a.m., I know there's something wrong. She's in the gym and she wants to punch somebody in the face. That's okay. Right. We deal with right. that. Find your person who deals and understands how to deal with your individual lack of or method of coping with things. Right. My method right. is melodrama and whining. I am right. a whiny, melodramatic freaker outer. That is what I yeah. do. It is my specialty. Yeah. I can't go to my guy friends and be like, I'm fat, I'm gross, I'm quitting, I hate life, because they're going to try to fix it. And that's just going to make me angrier. <laughs> 
I need I need my Brie so I can be like, ha, 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 ha life is terrible. Right. And she understands right. and talks me off the ledge. Other times I do need a practical person who, and I've got a guy friend, I can text him and say, look, I am falling apart at the seams. Training yeah. is terrible. Everything feels wrong. I don't know what I'm doing. And he can very practically say, it can't possibly be that bad. I saw the videos you posted. They're not that bad. You're just freaking out because everything feels new. Calm right. down. But right. have your people, have the ones you know that you can call or text or what have you. Right. And aren't going to judge you and are going to meet you where you are. And I think that's one of the really important things that you've taught me just in terms of dealing with some of um, like, you know, medical health issues, different things, because I think, you know, I'm the kind of person where I tend to be sort of annoyingly optimistic about everything. And I tend to you know, sometimes look at it like, okay, well, this is how I would, you know, look at this particular issue. And so you should look at it that way too. And, you know, which is great because sometimes you need that, but sometimes you need someone to be like, you know what, your shit sucks right now. And, and like you said, talking about acknowledging things and not just sort of not glossing over, but always trying to provide that solution. But sometimes just to let that person get all of that stuff out, you know, and, and I think for me, it's been important to understand that, you know, um, you know, sometimes that's what you need. You don't necessarily need me to say, woo, 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 there, 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 it'll be all be okay. Because honestly, I don't know that it may not all be okay. You know, and I think, you know, again, when you do have that person, it's it's important to, you know, find that that one that you can kind of connect with that way. And that just sort of intuitively knows, OK, she's, you know, blathering on about this and she just kind of needs to get it out. So I'm going to agree with her about a couple of things and then I'm going to just be quiet or when you or when it's like, OK, no, I need to shake the shit out of her because she's tripping. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I think you definitely and that and, and it may be like you said, you may need several persons. <laughs> right. So that's what balance is for. It's balance to be able to yeah. know who is and who is not the person. Right. Exactly. I am not, exactly. I am, I am your queen melodrama wine to me all day. Cause I will wine with you if you need to be wined with. <laughs> right. So find exactly. your person, find your people, find your army, find your tribe, whatever way of saying that makes you feel good. Find those people, especially if right. you are a solo trainer, like both Bree and I are, we, right. We train alone. We do our own thing. And yeah. <laughs> right. So, well, that is all I have. Um, I want to save something good for the next time. So yep. um, anyway, I'm going to sign off here unless you have some other stuff. I think we're good. Okay. Good. Good well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, you know, come back to the chocolate bar. We're going to have some great stuff coming up in the next few episodes and weeks. And we will see you at the bar. Thank you, guys. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>